Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson of 20 plus years, he's the optics manager over there. If you guys need any optical needs at all, anything to do with glassing, binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call. 602-399-3699. That is his cell phone. You can also text him at that number. You can also call him at GoHunt at 702-847-8747. I want to thank GoHunt Optics for their sponsorship of the podcast. Guys, I also want to let you know that GoHunt maps have been released and they are right now available to insider members. I have had an intimate role in this go hunt mapping process of uh, getting these maps just how we need them. They are awesome for Western hunters. Go hunt maps is built for Western hunters. Go Hunt's first focus has always been creating solutions for hunters like us to make them as successful as possible both for themselves and for the advancement of conservation. With the launch of Go Hunt Maps app, Western hunters are empowered to meet their needs all in one platform. Discovering hunts with filtering 2.0 and draw odds and preparing with expertise and gear and now take maps into the field. Guys, I've had an intimate role in helping develop the app and I think you're really going to like it. Make sure you're an insider member. So go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and sign up for an insider membership if you're not already an insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to kuiu.com, kuyu.com. It's a direct-to-consumer company. You can order all of the products directly off the website. That's the only place you can get it. Go to kuiu.com. PhoneScope is the adapter I use to take videos and photos right from my iPhone 12 Pro, right through my spotting scope or binoculars. Go to PhoneScope.com, use the JScott21 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount. Guys, let's get right to the episode. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, I've got Tim Winslow of Arizona Trophy Outfitters on the line. Tim, how you doing? Doing great, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, over the last couple of years, I've had a couple of people uh, reach out, actually more than a couple, a handful of people reach out and say, you ought to have Tim on the podcast. And uh, I uh, thought, well, I'll reach out and, and uh, here we are. So I'm looking forward to chatting a little bit of Arizona deer. I know we've got the uh, application season coming up here in a couple of weeks for Arizona and the deadline. And so I figured I'd get you on and, and have a little chat. Uh, so first, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. I'm a huge fan of the show, and I think that what you do, uh, offering awesome info on public land hunting and and everything that Arizona has, as well as other areas, is just, it's awesome. It's awesome to get guys started that have never done it. Um, I'm just a huge fan. Awesome, buddy. It's been been, uh, fun doing it. It's been a big blessing to me as far as uh, getting lots of feedback from people and being able to help and share, uh, so it's been good. Uh, Tim, why don't you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, whether it be personal life, guiding life, business life, uh, et cetera. What, what makes you tick? Well, um, you know, I first kind of uh, got started. I, I'm, I grew up in Arizona. and uh, Where at? I kind of, uh, Tucson. Okay. So I kind of grew up in the Tucson area and uh, really just, 
started out hunting quail and dove you know with my dad we never really big game hunted and then i uh i, I met some friends and that kind of grew on me and i really cut my teeth on big game hunting hunting coos deer and hunting coos deer in the tucson area and, and along the border and uh yeah that that pretty much set my set my uh hunting at kind of a different level um i i stepped into um hunting like most people do with like 10 power bushnells that you can't really see a uh, hundred yards away and and all of a sudden i was around guys with 15s and and tripods and i was just like this is awesome and so that's kind of how i really started and um i want to give a shout out to uh the godfather Dwayne adams the godfather of coos deer because um i i remember like watching his dvds when i was younger and and just trying to figure things out and he just set such a good uh just a good pattern for guys to follow so oh for sure i mean i've had so many people love having when i have Dwayne on the podcast and you know he's been doing it for so long we could all hope that when we're his age just still as enthusiastic about it as he is and he set a great example um a couple questions uh it sounds like kind of a similar path of mine. I didn't really get cooster hunting, honestly, until after high school uh, and into college. And then once I kind of got into it, I really fell head over heels about it and wanted to learn and, and you know, experience every bit that I could with it. Um, do you think being a little bit of a late in life, let's say, I mean, you're still a young guy, but it's not mm -hmm. like you started out at five years old hunting coos deer. No. Do you think by finding it a little bit later, uh, in your hunting career kind of opened you up to really being able to dive in and go all in on it and not learn it since you're five or six and kind of take it for granted? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it really was it, it very similar to me too, Jay. I, I, I think I shot my first coos deer when I was 21. Um, after a year or two of, of learning how to get it, how to get in the right areas, and um, and you know as well as I do, you can be in the right areas and not have the right setup, and you know you can't find anything. And I remember taking my buddy Colt into an area where I told him, I said, "Dude, um, I really know there's deer here. I just don't see them." And then that's when the Zeiss came out and the tripods came out and he goes, yeah, there's deer everywhere. And I was like, okay, I'm doing something wrong. And, um, it totally, it, it did change the game. Just, just being a little bit older and, you know, being at that point where you can really go after it, you know, and, and have some more freedom to explore and, and pursue, uh, deer instead of just having, uh, somebody by your side or really guiding you the whole time you know when you when you kind of have success a little bit later um, you don't rely on other people quite as much like you know say your dad or you know the kids that we take out you know all the kids and my buddy's kids um, you know they're they're getting groomed um, and so when you find it a little bit later you kind of have a that uh, that self-exploration where you're like this is uh this is something really cool that i want to share with everybody that hasn't experienced it you know because i grew up not experiencing coos deer hunting so i'm like dude i need to share this with people that enjoy hunting and want a different experience so if that makes sense i mean it makes total sense it's really the whole premise of my podcast it's the premise of having a blog before 
you know, blogs were cool and, you know, Mm -hmm. now they're outdated. And now what I try and do on my Instagram, I was a late starter uh, hunting and fishing. You know, I I got exposed to it, but I, until I had wheels of my own, I really didn't have the opportunities. Once I had a little, you know, work inside jobs and had a little bit of money and had wheels to move around, um, it was something that I wanted to do. And now all I want to do is basically try and help people. Uh, get some of the joy that I've gotten from the outdoors. So it's it's pretty cool to hear you say that. Um, let's dive right into um, Arizona coos deer. You're a guide, successful guide. Uh, you've cut your teeth on coos deer, which I feel like anyone that really learns how to hunt coos deer really can go anywhere in the world and hunt any animal and figure it out. And and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just mean that in a way that coos deer make you really earn it. Um, and I think it teaches you how to glass. It teaches you how to be patient. It, there's so many lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's dive into Arizona coos deer. You run a guide operation and you also do drop camps for uh, coos deer hunts. Uh, so let's just dive in and talk about some of your favorite units. And um, so I'll let you kind of start and tell me what your favorites are. And then we'll kind of go through them. Yeah, um, I, you know, Arizona has so much, so many different um, coos deer opportunities. You know, um, I, I'm in love with the desert. I, I love the Sonoran Desert. I love, um, I'm just a, a desert rat. I just... I, I just fall in love with the sorrel cactuses and just the environment down in the desert. And I describe that, that Southern Arizona, those, th- that border area is kind of like the jungle of deserts um, because it's so lush and there's so much that the animals can get from it with all the mesquites. And um, so I personally prefer um, the desert, the, the lower desert stuff along that border, all the 30 units basically, um, you know, from, from, east to west you know 30a and 30b and 35a and and 36s um they're all just each kind of have a little different um flavor to them and um it's funny because guys will come out hunting with us and, and they'll come from back east and they'll they'll be like there can't be anything that lives out here and i said just just wait when when we get on the tripod and the binos at at 6 a.m these hills are going to come alive and and I, I describe the, the the desert washes or arroyos as deer apartments. I was like, the deer live in in a lot of this stuff that you know is just that a lot of other animals wouldn't ever survive. And I think um, there's just so much respect for uh, the coos deer just for thriving in the environment in which it does. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I've hunted and guided coos deer and and. I think almost every unit that has them in Arizona and I love the Sonoran area. I've hunted them in the, on the Mogollon rim, you know, unit 27 and 28 have, have such a huge trophy potential just because of the, the lack of road access and just the canyons and the, just the overall remoteness of those units. The trophy potential is high, but access is so hard that it just, um, it's really tough to get into. So for me, the quintessential coos deer is, is something with an ocotillo in the background um, or, or a big mesquite or a saguaro cactus. That's, that's really what, um, what drives me is, is finding these deer in such a, such a different habitat than every other deer um, 
lives in, you know, in the 48. So for sure. Um, I'm going to dive in specifically to a couple units and just have mm-hmm. you tell me everything that you think about them and, and we'll have yeah. a little chat. So let's just start with 36C. 36C is, it's a weird unit, um, because of its shape. And so it's, it's a long skinny unit that, that borders the Tona Odom reservation. And it's kind of a funky unit. Um, there is, there is some serious trophy potential and some awesome hike in only areas that um, not a lot of other units have. But the weird thing about you can't really move very much um, in a vehicle in that unit because of the Border Patrol, like, they lock a bunch of stuff up. And so you can't, it's the one unit in that side of the state where you can't go from one side to the other on dirt. You ha- It takes a while to kind of get back around and get on the highway and, and change locations. Other than that, it's um, it's a really cool unit. There's it goes from like flats to just giant mountains almost immediately and almost primarily all coos deer. Um, and, and some of that Eastern stuff and the lower stuff, there's a bunch of, bunch of mule deer. But, um, when you get towards Mexico and in that, those coos deer live all in the flats, they don't live up in the tops of the mountains only. They live everywhere in those flats. So it, uh, (laughs) It can be a tough place to hunt just from access, and um, it's really tough to hunt coos deer in the flats if you're not sitting water. But um, overall, it is a it's a really neat unit and and a good unit to explore um, if you're interested in in getting back in somewhere away from the crowds and and not afraid to hike back in. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been one of those units that's kind of was the crown jewel for a long time, and then with mm-hmm. a lot of the illegal traffic and a lot of that yeah. stuff going on and and the influence of border patrol you know helicopters all night and the, and this kind of right. goes for all these units we're going to talk about but yeah for me the one thing about 36c you know you've got that real deserty ocotillo stuff that primarily mm-hmm. inhabits most of the unit but then you've got that mountain range the coyotes that are you know over there on the reservation border and you've got some of those ranches that allow you to you know park and then walk in and, and it's yeah. all walk in um you know but it's one of those uh units that you know there have been some giant deer come out of there um Mm -hmm. it seems like in the last 15 years the the big big giant deer that we saw say in the early 90s um you know it just doesn't seem like they're coming out of there quite as much um but it's interesting to me that 36c primarily is ocotillo and mesquite there's not very much oak at all um, no, I mean, there is a no. little bit, but not much oak at all compared to a lot of the other Southern Arizona units. Right. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's very different. There's not much cactus either. Um, there's some choya on the, on the bottom, but you know, um, every time my kind of sign, you know, if, if you're new to hunting coos deer or not sure where to start, if you see Ocotillo, which is a like long armed, real skinny looking cactus tree, it's, it's funny to describe if you see Ocotillo start glassing Ocotillo because yes. more than often they're the deer absolutely love it and, and they disappear in it and you think you can see through it until you watch them disappear. Um, so I love to start on Ocotillo glassing Ocotillo and, and just knowing that there's a deer somewhere in there um, hiding or bedding and they love that. The, the coos like rubbing their antlers on it. They like shedding their velvet on it and um, it's kind of cool. 
Wouldn't you agree to 36C is one of those units that you actually want to get up on the desert peaks and look backwards, you do. look, look yeah. back in the direction you just walked through. Yes. And that's where um, a little tip when you're picking a place to hunt and a, a knob to crawl up on, try and crawl up where you're less invasive as possible and not trying to walk through the country. You're glassing, but 36C for me is one of those that I see way more deer and better bucks if I get up and look down. Yeah. Where a lot of coos, you know, you're getting up and looking across canyons. It seems like yeah. there the better deer are living out, like you said, in those desert flats. Um, yeah. Let's jump to uh, 35A and B. Yeah, 35A and B. Um, awesome. I think I... I killed my first, or I think it was my, my biggest buck was out of 35A. My first real nice buck was out of 35A uh, quite a few years ago. That is a uh, unit that I wish I was number one in the military because Fort Huachuca has probably the biggest coos deer in the world sitting there and black bears. Um, but that being said, the Huachuca Mountains are just so full of, of coos deer and so full of, uh, like, what the habitat totally changes from 30, 36C and then it becomes really thick oaks and some of the pines up on top and, and really, really dense habitat where deer can live a lot longer and, and maintain a lot healthier lifestyle and get bigger um, because it's such a, it's just a different transition zone from desert floor um, in, to the Huachucas. And uh, it's just a great place to hunt. I mean, there's, there are areas where, just like uh, 36C, where you have to walk, you have to get out, you have to, but the access is a lot better. You, you know, there's a lot of areas where you can you can hike and you can drive around and you can really get back and do some backpack style hunting. Backpack, um, you know, coos camping back in the backcountry where nobody's going to bother you on a, on a quad or a truck and, and really experience it. So it's, it's, it's a little similar with 35B has a little less um, like rugged, just like the Huachuca Mountains just stand out as such a uh, just a, an awesome area. But 35B is a lot more rollers. It's a lot more accessible if you're not, you know, you're not um, apt to go hiking, you know, way up in steep country. There's a lot more access in 35B with just awesome coos populations. 36B. Yeah, 36B is, is, it's kind of like a mix. I mean, it, you know, anytime we talk about these border units, we have to, you know, obviously um, be confronted with the fact that illegal travel or alien travel, whatever the proper word is right now, I mean, it is there and you will, you will see border patrol and you will, um, you'll encounter, um, you know, just the, the lifestyle down there, which is, there's a lot of border patrol, a lot of helicopters, especially right now. But 36B is such a cool area because there are so much, so much roadless, act, like, uh, coos country, so much roadless stuff in there that when you look on a map, it doesn't say wilderness area, but you start looking at it closer and you realize, well, there's no roads there or the border patrol shut this down or, you know, it's almost like a, a mixed blessing because the border patrol locks stuff up. And now it gives access to the guys that are hungry and, and willing to go back in areas that, that otherwise would be taken up by four-wheel drives and quads and side-by-sides. So um, 36B is, it's a big unit. 
and it's there's some really really big canyons and some really big bucks that live back in there um that are just waiting to get you know found or or uh just living a living a pretty solitary lifestyle in some of those areas 36a 36a is almost opposite of 36b it's it's total tons of access there's access everywhere on a vehicle um you can drive the whole unit on a dirt road you won't ever come to a lock gate most likely and you will be you'll be in coos country almost the whole time there's a, the the coos and mule deer mule deer population are pretty split in 36a 36b is like almost almost all coos deer it's probably 80 80 20 percentages um, in 36A, there's a lot more mule deer. And so you'll see mule deer in some of this, what we call transition zones, where it's like you come out of the big mountains, because there are big, big mountains of Cerritos and, and things in 36A that hold primarily coos deer and really good populations. But these deer come down and they get into this transition zone where it's not really high. And you'll glass up mule deer and coos deer on the same hill or on the same, you know, group of Ocotillo and it's just a great place to hunt if you're if you need better access if if hunting from a quad or a side by side is more of your style and maybe because you're limited physically um that that's a good place to start with again healthy deer populations the trophy potential is a little bit less i would say just because of the access because that always goes hand in hand as you know jay that you know more access means less places and less the deer, uh, you know, more chance they're going to get found over their lifetime, but um, still some really good bucks come out of 36A every year. So, um, yeah. 34A. 34A is, is, is kind of like 36C in the fact that it used to be um, kind of a crown jewel as well, and it, it kind of still is. I mean, you remember back when uh, I think the, the world record Hope and Young Buck, Archery Buck, came out of 34A. Um, it really got a lot of publicity, and it is still a, a fantastic unit. Almost all, again, it's it's very coos, even in some of the lower stuff. It's very coozy uh, down low, but the mountains are absolutely giant compared to some of the others, 36B and 36A. Um, getting up on the uh, Santa Rita's, is ju they're just giant, giant mountains. And there's so many deer that we see, Jay, where it's one of those spots where you're like, yeah, we, we killed this buck, but we saw three others that were way bigger just in crazy spots, you know, where you're like, it kind of keeps you going back because you're like, dude, I saw a drop tine up there. We couldn't get to him, but man, we still shot this, this 96 inch buck and we're, you know, man, let's try to get it next year and see if he's still there. And it's one of those areas where, um, a lot of deer do not get found and no matter how hard it gets hunted there's a lot of deer that that have these little hidey holes that you have to commit to uh doing a 2500 foot ascent and committing to a tiny canyon that you know you're glassing 300 yards across and you know that's just not realistic for a lot of people so 30b 30b is uh is um, again, one of those units where I actually started hunting, I actually killed my first deer in 30 B and it, it used to be a lot more accessible than it is now. Um, right out of Bisbee is just fantastic coos country. Um, but there is private land and there is private land access 
and uh, lots of border patrol and, and some border issues are happening down there. Um, but it, it goes all the way up to I-10, so it's a real long, skinny unit, and there's not only the Mule Mountains on the southern end of it, but the Dragoons up on the northern end of 30B have awesome deer, and some of the biggest deer have been shot in 30B uh, in the flats, and like some of the biggest deer statewide some years have been shot in 30B in living kind of down low in some of those washes, some of those riverbed areas where it's just really hard to find and really hard to shoot long ways at them. And um, it's a good unit. It's a hard unit if you're just starting out. If you're just if you're a DIY guy and you're saying, I want to try coos deer, that's not my first choice, Jay, is 30B. It's just because of the access and because the populations are are there, but they're they're not as high as other areas where you can just jump right into it, be, be in the right area and, and, you know, in a box almost immediately. So 30A. 30A is, uh, again, one of those units where, um, there is some access just because of the border. There's some, there's some access stuff down, down lower. Um, but I have seen some really, really big deer, uh, there's some cool spots, some cool canyons where it's it's hike in, walk in only, or horseback in, and hold some really really big deer. Um, it borders, it brunts up against uh, 29 there, which is the Chiricahuas, and a lot of those deer kind of go back and forth. Um, it, it's interesting in those units because you don't really know. You're like, am I in? And I know guys have experienced this where they they draw a 38 tag and they're like. Am I in coos deer country or am I in mule deer country? Because some of that 30A stuff is such a mix of both where you'll be, you'll see these coos deer and mule deer in the same general area. And if you do your research, you say, well, I, you know, I think coos deer are supposed to be on the top of the mountains, but these are the lower. It's all good. In, in those areas, I, I don't ever skip glassing everything, even if I'm seeing a lot of mule deer, because that's where these coos deer bucks like to hang out. Like the bigger um, age class deer, they like to hang out in some of that weird transition zones where it's a lot of mule deer and there's not as much pressure pressure chasing them around. So 30A and 30B, some of that stuff, if you're going to go hunt it, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count out any of the flats or anything. I, I would be glassing everything in that, in that stuff. You mentioned 29. Talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. 29 is is uh, one of those units that it's kind of like the Huachucas. Uh, the Chiricahua Mountains are really steep, um, a really big range, rough access, rough public access on the on some of those sides. Um, you can go on either side has has good populations, the east side or west side. Um, you know, Turkey Creek, that, that area is really good. And on the, on the north side, eastern side there's some good public access up there um i actually got lost up there one of my first coos deer hunts ever um i was up there didn't really know what i was doing and i you know was dedicated to just finding these deer and i was on the top of uh, uh, one of the trails that go up there in the chiricahuas and i didn't realize that you know when you're glassing at last light that when you're on top of a mountain it's a lot darker at the bottom of that mountain as you hike down. And I realized very, very quickly that I shouldn't be glassing till dark without a headlamp. 
And I remember being up in the Chiricahuas and, and literally running down this mountain because it was getting to be pitch black. And I, it was before the GPS phone where, uh, you know, my watch can get me back to my truck now. You know, it was before any of that. It was, you know, a 30-06 and a pair of whatever I had, Bushnell uh, binos. And um, and one candy bar and, a, and maybe a bottle of water for the day. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, it was it was well before it was it was exactly those days. I just remember being like just that learning curve as you hunt by yourself. You're like, dang, that was dangerous. I don't want to do that again, you know. And I remember like, I remember falling down the mountain and seeing sparks go off my scope. My gun was unloaded, obviously, <laughs> but sparks going off my scope, and I'm like, dude, this is this is out of control. Um, and uh, but it, so 29 has good. a special place in your heart. What about 34B? 34B is is good too. It, it's um, again, it's kind of it's some of that. It's not quite as high as 34A. There's some of that lower stuff. We we shot a real nice buck uh, in 30B uh, a couple years ago and in some of that lower, lower mountain range, the wet zones, I actually, my family is from that area. Uh, my, my, my dad's family has been in Arizona forever. I mean, uh, my grandparents were born in Jerome and were old miners, you know, way back, way back in the day in that tombstone area. So I actually have uh, a lot of family that live in that tombstone 34 B the whetstone area. And, um, they're mainly all quail hunters, so they don't really help me very much. And I'm like, hey, have you guys seen any bucks around? They're like, no, we're just hunting quail. So, but anyway, it's a it's a good area. It's um, it's an area where access. You know, you gotta you gotta definitely look at your maps. You gotta look at your Onyx and and look at some stuff and do your research before you head in there. Um, but a, a good unit, really good unit. Tell me about thirty three in your backyard. Thirty three is that is a unit where um man there's some just giant bucks i mean there's just giant giant bucks um but there's so many it, it, it's it, right in the middle of a city basically tucson that uh that comes with pressure so 33 is an area where the the coosier population is awesome but the hunter population is also um pretty strong as well and guys that know what they're doing you know, guys that have grown up hunting coos deer hunt 33. I've noticed that there's a lot of, of the, the skill level and the hunter level. A lot of guys that hunt 33 are not just out to party. You know, they, they are there to, to find some of these bucks that are way back in these canyons. And rightfully so. There's, there's, uh, there's some really big deer in 33. Um, public and private access, again, is, is an issue just because you're so close. There's there's camps and there's there's ranches that um from year to year they may be open one year and close the next year i know we had that issue um in the last couple of years where we're you know we plan to go in a spot and all of a sudden the, uh, the the gates locked and um we have to regroup um but it's a unit where you can go and and, and find some deer but you know you're gonna run into some people and i always remind my hunters and and remind my guides too as like guys you know the, the other hunters that you see they're we all benefit you know we yeah it can be frustrating when somebody shoots a deer out from under you or whatever but it's like if they're not here we wouldn't be here you know if if this wasn't all public we wouldn't have the same access and we need to be thankful for other hunters out there because 
that's what keeps this thing going. That's what keeps this land public and, and gives everybody an equal chance to hunt. And, um, I just, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't like being scared. I, I don't like, you know, of other hunters or, or say, Oh man, it's just full of, um, because we're all in it for the same reason. You know, we, we all want to enjoy the hunting experience and, um, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where you, you come to appreciate it after you've been out and, and and then you realize well it can kind of work to your favor if there's a lot of hunters because they all do the same things i i, I kind of i was laughing with some guys that called me about a drop camp um and they were act they're trying to kind of get me to tell them they wanted to, to go in a specific spot and they said yeah it's right at the end of this road and and i said yeah i said but you know what every hunter does every single hunter looks on a map and goes i'm gonna go to the drive to the end of that road and he said, oh, yeah, you're actually right. We saw a ton of people back there. And I said, I bet you didn't see anybody the first two miles of that road. And they're like, no, we didn't. I said, let's let's start there. So I guess in essence, other hunters, if you, you know, approach it right and, and approach it with a good attitude and, and understand that, hey, we're all, we're all in it together, um, you can actually use other hunters and their patterns to kind of help your uh, success or help your ability to find deer. Um, because the deer sure pay attention to what hunters do. So <laughs> for sure. But. Let's, um, want to ask you about a couple of flyer units here. Get your mm -hmm. opinion. 40A and 37A. Oh, those are flyer units. Um, man, 37A is, is a, uh, it is a unit where, man, you can dig up. I mean, I, I, I know uh, the Godfather shot one out of there a couple of years ago that was an absolute freak. Um, but you can find these deer, because it's an any antler deer unit. For people who don't know, know um, any any uh, unit that's kind of borders coos deer units, they'll usually have any antler deer, which instead of a whitetail only, and there is always coos deer populations. And, and the, the thing about coos deer is they live in tiny little, they can only live in like a couple little spots sometimes. They don't necessarily encompass the whole unit. But where there's some water in 37A, it can be a really, really good unit for coos deer. It is a, it is a unit for mule deer that um, it gets, gets overlooked a lot. It, it can be a unit where a 200-inch mule deer is not out of the question. Um, really really tough to hunt really really arid deer populations overall and 40a as well um some absolute giant deer live there but finding them may take a couple years um and understanding how they work and and, and their patterns um both have really good sheep up there too uh the silver bells are awesome awesome for sheep too but um you know how that goes there's you know the that's not a conversation until it is, until you actually get lucky. So, <laughs> 32. 32 is, is uh, one of those areas where it's really, really thick. Um, and, and there's a lot, like the glassing. So being used to glassing in, in open hillsides where there's cactus and ocotillo and stuff, there is some of that country. But then you transition to the 32, which is a little higher elevation and a lot lot thicker habitat you really have to be patient um it in some of the units that that have a lot more um you know more trees oaks junipers you're 
you have to really be patient behind the glass. You can't rush anything because these deer just disappear. And as you know, um, the more patience is the better with Cousier, especially finding big bucks. What I see a lot is people get distracted with the does because the does are always up and moving and they're like, the bucks just don't move very much. They just don't move. They're like an old, you know, if you think of an old buck, like an old guy on a walker, um, it would change the way you glass. If you think of these old bucks, like being in a wheelchair, like the old guys don't move very much. And the same with these old bucks where, you know, these does are all over the place and distract and all of a sudden people just, Oh, okay. I saw some deer. There's no other bucks here. Let's leave. Well, that buck may just be hanging out in some really thick stuff like 32 where there's just thick, thick, uh, trees and and some brush and you just you may not see him until an hour later you know when he decides to get up and um you know read his morning paper or whatever so (laughs) it's a great analogy uh you mentioned drop camps i know you do drop camps do you do drop camps in all the units we just talked about or are there a handful that you primarily focus on no yeah and talk about what goes on with your drop camps yeah, so, Jay, we, we obviously do guided hunts, you know. Um, that's kind of where how we started, but we realized, hey, there's a lot of hunters out there that either don't have the money or don't need um, necessarily someone to show them how to camp or, or need that stuff, but they really have, they would really benefit from just getting put in the right direction. So we kind of started drop camp hunts to help guys, usually younger guys, hunt arizona because it's such a friendly it's a friendly public land hunting area for guys that have already hunted a little bit and already you know maybe they've killed a deer in wyoming or or hunted some stuff um, in colorado it's a perfect opportunity and so what we do is you know we we can only take so many hunters as as guided hunters we don't outsource a bunch of guides we don't do it we have kind of a core group of guides that we just take a handful of hunters every year and then we offer an opportunity for guys that say hey um i've i just i've got a cool long range rifle me and my buddies want to go hunt can you can you set us up in a good direction can you give us a scouting package and um you know we get us a camp set up and and that's what we started doing and and it's really fun as you know because you are um a really really good jay at at just sharing information and and i know it's really it blesses you when you see people have success from what you've shared and and just from the passion that you have for for uh sharing with people and it's really cool for us too to be like hey here's the stuff you know we're not going to be anywhere in this area here's where these bucks are um go chase them call me anytime text me anytime we're always there to help and to see guys pull these deer out to see guys shoot bucks with their bow and stuff that you're it's just really really neat um and so are you and, taking and them in on horses everybody. are you taking horses or are you just basically telling them how to get there and doing that kind of deal you know a little bit of both so i horses horses are needed in some areas um more often than not we're just setting up drop camps like canvas wall tents and we'll do the fully outfitted stuff where guys all guys need to do is rolling with their hunting gear and they've got food they've got equipment and they've got a scouting map and package where i just get them set up and and we have 
to where they can just start hunting. And a lot of, what a lot of guys like to do is they'll bring their quads out. They'll bring their side-by-sides out and they'll get to use some of this equipment um, to hunt with. It just gives them a, a it, basically how I describe it. It saves you three years of trying to figure it out. It saves you three years of trying to figure out coos hunting, trying to figure out um, buying all the gear, all the stuff. And, you know, it really gets guys just zoned in. And so all they need to worry about is hunting, you know, and that, that's why we, we go out. It's, it can be really frustrating when you can read as much as you want and listen and, you know, without doing it a few times, it's really hard to get it dialed in. And so, um, that's our, basically our goal is to have guys get dialed in on their own, be a 24 seven, uh, question and answer and, and help for these guys and safety. You know, that, that comes in handy too. If they break down or something like that, or, or need something, we're there, but, um, just to get them going and, and get them in the right areas. That's, do you that's do it pretty for much coos and mule deer? Yeah. Yeah. We do it for coos and mule deer. Um, and what about and bears? Too. What about bears? Bears, not so much. Um, I, I, we actually did one um, for a couple guys this year for bears in 27. Bears it, it is one of those things where you just, you got to be pretty dedicated. And it, when you kill one of those big bears down at the bottom of a canyon, for me, my mind is always around safety. And this time of year, it's hot. And unless guys are kind of fit the bill of guys that, Hey, we've done this before. Just give us, give us some areas, get us all set up. We're, we're comfortable. We, we know how to be safe. Um, so bears is kind of a case to case scenario. You know, I, I don't like sending guys out and, and pointing them into canyons and then them being put in a bad situation where they got to pack a bear out and it's 95 degrees and they've never done that before. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, I want to talk to you real fast about the seasons of the coos deer. Yeah. Early season, mid season, and then late season. Um, go through that a little bit. Yeah. That's a big question. I get, I get asked a lot by, by my hunters is, Hey, what's the best season, you know, and what, what, what time of year is the best. And I have seen over the years that trophy quality or buck quality success it actually doesn't differ at all what really ends up making a difference is the weather and the moon um and honestly really it comes down to the wind you know i I know sometimes one of those hunts you'll be you'll be dealing with 30 40 mile an hour winds sometimes that really shut the coos deer hunting down so to me um uh, the October hunt, I'll just go through the October because in my mind, Jay, there's like three hunts, you know, excluding the trophy hunt, which is at the end of December. But there's a late October hunt, an early November hunt, and an early December hunt. And the early October hunt can be pretty warm, but it's your first shot at some of these bucks. These bucks are uh, still bachelored up. They're not broken up quite as much. They're still in kind of their summer feeding habits. And it's your really first crack at some of the biggest year. And in my opinion, it, it can be looked at as a trophy hunt because all the bucks that are going to be alive for that year are alive that season. They're, you know, the biggest bucks are, are going to be alive for sure. Where as you hunt in that late trophy season, you know, some of those giant bucks probably have already been shot. So um, if you're okay with warmer weather in October 
and really long days, you know, that's a hunt where I'm like, you know, you're going to go back, back to camp at lunch and, and take a nap or just be in the shade for those of, of guys that are not used to the dry climate and the sun that we have. Um, but the November hunt, the second round, the weather starts cooling down a little bit. Usually it's a little bit better moon on how the last few years have been. The moon's been a little bit better. And by better, I mean, um, not as much of a moon, um, uh, kind of a that's typically what it is and for some reason there usually is some kind of little precipitation rainstorm in that in that early november season and me personally i like the november season a lot because it's kind of where the bucks go for the rest of the season they get pushed in the october season and go to their little hidey holes and then all we do is focus on their hidey holes whereas in october they can be so spread out it can almost be a hard to hunt them Whereas in November, they start getting pushed, and then you can really isolate and really focus on some of those uh, remote canyon-type spots. Um, and then obviously, that, that third season in November is the same as our late uh, rifle elk hunt. It's, it follows that. The benefits to that is it's actually a longer season. It's a 10-day season. So it's a two-weekend season, really cool for guys that... Um, you know, have the time to come out or maybe that are Arizona residents that can take two weekends to hunt. And the weather is obviously a lot cooler in December than it is in October. It can be really, really nice and allow those bucks and deer in general just to be on their feet a little bit longer. You know, your window to glass and really fine movement is, is short in October. It's half hour before the sun comes up and, and not much more than a half hour after it, um, after it actually comes up. So, um, that's, that's kind of what I like about each of those seasons. Um, you know, that the third season can be a little bit, um, dough heavy, you know, cause there's a lot of bucks have, it's been hunted pretty hard and pushed pretty hard. But that being said, you know, some of the funkiest, coolest, biggest bucks that we've shot have come from that third season. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of just depends on, on what works for, everybody's schedule and and how what style they like to hunt you know talk about the late hunting is it a rut hunt or not a rut hunt um i it that is the I, and i don't know if you're on the same page jay but it that's one of the biggest uh things i have to contradict um is that i always get asked is it a rut hunt or is it i, I want to hunt the rut and and i have to constantly remind guys that it is not a rut hunt it is i call it a pre-rut hunt um and, and the benefits to hunting that late trophy tag are not you're not going to see a ton of crazy rut activity you may see it for a couple days uh but you're not going to see it overall it's not going to be a rut hunt the advantages to me and this is how i describe it to anybody who asks the advantages to me are that you have 25 other hunters in that unit and it's a two-week hunt and so there's a lot of advantages where you're like, you're not going to have the hunting pressure. That's number one for me. You're not going to have a ton of, ton of guys looking for the same deer. And you're not going to have, um, you're not limited to one week where the weather could be really bad and then your hunt is kind of, you know, squashed. And, and thirdly, the weather and the pre-rut activity. This year we did see, I mean, we saw a big buck that was, he was on does almost every day, but I still wouldn't consider it a rut i i feel like i feel like in that late december hunt jay i feel like the bucks are just checking their facebook 
I feel like they just they kind of go to these does and check in on them every single day. Checking and the they Facebook. just they, yeah, they just check them out and 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 because you know when these whitetail actually when these coos are actually rut, it's it's violent. I mean, all of a sudden you'll see deer running a hundred miles an hour for a mile, um, and so really the the hardcore rut activity happens in mid January where it's it's archery only, but that late season trophy tag, um, it, it's totally good opportunity for guys that that have some mid range level points and and want to hunt coos deer and want to have a really cool special hunt but i wouldn't expect that to go into that hunt expecting to all this just try to find does because well you're finding the does you'll find the bucks it's not that kind of style and i don't know if you've had the same experience you know i've i've been up um i on the on the mogion rim some of those northern units it can be a lot more ruddy up there in that uh late december time Whereas in the border units, they're not even thinking about it yet. So it kind of does differentiate from region to region, um, rut activity and obviously weather. But I, I don't know what your experience is with it, but that's, yeah, that's I, mine. I agree with you totally. Um, I think the further north you get, 6As, 22s, 23s, yeah. potentially get a little, little more ruddy. Um, yeah. In general, it just seems like most of the rutting action, the real rutting consistent is in January. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, archery, they've done a lot of changes with the OTC archery hunts. Yeah. Um, OTC archery, if, if someone is listening and they want three or four or five units to be able to chase coos and muleys, both, what would be kind of, you know, a smattering of units that you would say here's my top three that if you're kind of just wanting deer action in general go to these yeah so um archery stuff has changed and you need to look at the regulations this year because the december hunts have changed in some of these units um but for for guys that want to just get right into it and kind of see what it's all about um the 35 35a 35b 36a and b um, great places to start 30 B as well. Um, obviously the trophy quality and the, and the buck size depends in each area, but you're going to see a lot of deer, you know, and, and even 37 a 37 B 37 B isn't talked about very much, but it is one of those units where it is a total crossover unit. There's a lot of coos deer in there and there's a lot of mule deer in there. And, um, and the seasons are very generous as opposed to 37A where they're very, very short. So um, that's, I guess, what you'd say my five units would be 37B, 35AB, um, and 36AB for coos and mule deer. You know, there's some units that are, are to me, just kind of coos, coos only, which are like 34A and, and 33 and, and stuff like that. Or, or if mule deer only, to me, is 37A if, if we're talking archery only. Um, but yeah, great, great areas. Again, you know, keep in mind some of that stuff along the border. You're, you're going to run into some border patrol. Um, I don't feel like it's overly dangerous. I, I just, it unnerves people, um, for those that haven't been down there very much. Um, but it's, uh, lots of deer. There are lots of deer down there and, um, such an awesome opportunity for guys to come out and do something in January too. So. For sure. Okay, I I can't not um, ask you before we get off the phone. You just got back from hunting big bears on the peninsula. Tell us, give us the short synopsis. 
Oh yeah. So I, I'm, uh, an outfitter in Alaska as well. I'm a registered guide. And, um, so every May is not every May, every May of even numbered years. It's really confusing. We hunt big bears in the peninsula. Well, last year it was canceled because of COVID. And so we hunted bears this year in May. And, uh, we had, these bears had obviously hadn't seen humans for a while because they were really, really, really friendly. I, I, uh, had a couple different run-ins with some big bears, but I had an archery client who shot an amazing brown bear, um, just under 10 feet, um, and just a giant, giant brown bear. And, and I'll tell you what, people ask me a lot about bow hunting, big bears, and, and it, it you got to be ready. I mean, I, I had my 375 H&H ready to roll um, for protection, but you'll never see a bear die quicker than with uh an, an arrow I, I actually have video i'm gonna hopefully come out with it soon of this big giant uh brown bear he's gonna be really really high in pope and young we we green scored him and he was just under 28 inches which is super super big for an archery kill and uh but he got shot with a at 25 yards with a normal setup slick trick broadhead and he died honestly jay in five seconds he ran five he ran about 20 yards and he was lifeless in five seconds um it was just amazing amazing to see and and such such so nice to have a clean archery kill like that and and everything happened really smoothly but um there's no other uh, no greater adrenaline rush i don't think um than then getting close to these giant bears um, and, uh, you know, just being the, being the lesser predator uh, when you're up that close to them for sure. So it's a, it's a fun time. Awesome. Sounds incredible. Um, we've covered a lot of ground. You've done a great job. I appreciate you spending time with us. I want you to give uh, people a chance to figure out how they can follow you, how they can reach out to you and also link it up in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I have a, a YouTube channel that I, I share some videos with and some info with. It's um, ATO uh, DCH, which is Arizona Trophy Outfitters and, and Drop Camp Hunts. And uh, of course, I have a website, you know, Arizona Trophy Outfitters.com and Drop Camp Hunts.com. And, and my Instagram is Arizona Trophy Outfitters underscore DCH. And yeah, I, I'm not the, I, I'm gone a lot, like really gone. Like I was in Alaska and actually like out of service. So I try to keep up on, on stuff like that and try to respond and, um, you know, just try to help people out. So yeah, if you get, if anybody has any questions, just hit me up. I'm, I'm definitely free for information and, um, just like seeing guys be successful. Awesome, Tim. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing with us. Uh, and I look forward to having you on again. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Great job. All right, take care. God bless.